Right on. Hey, how's it going, you guys? How you doing tonight? Good? Hey, um, we are kind of in this series talking about like what, what things in life uh, might satisfy you. And uh, for some people, that's like achievements or money and fame. And I want to tell you a story about uh, someone famous. You guys may, uh, may know about him. You might not. You might, might just be too young and not have seen this story. Uh, but the guy's name is Derek Zoolander. You guys, any of you guys know who Derek Zoolander is? What's up? Derek, Derek Zoolander was three-time male model of the year, all right? Um, I, I might have been a male model, but I was never model of the year. All right, uh, you guys didn't even laugh, but that's good. Uh, anyways, it's okay, it's okay. Uh, but Derek Zoolander was not the sharpest uh, tool in the shed. You guys might be familiar with this. He, he was actually going to be, um, uh, it, it, what happened, he became the, the victim of a nefarious plot uh, by this guy Mugatu and his uh, male model agency manager to assassinate the Malaysian prime minister. Do you guys know the story? Any of you guys seen it? You guys seen it? Um, but in the process of that, he lost male model of the year to his friend Hansel. Do you guys know who Hansel is? All right. Uh, and, and he had this crisis. Because if you were male model of the year, three years running, and then you suddenly lost, you'd be devastated too. I want you guys to check out the screen for where the story picked up. I don't know. I guess I have a lot of things to ponder. Hey! The results are in, amigo! What's left to ponder? Woo! Nice comeback! All right. Hey, so obviously pretty devastating, but the question is the one I kind of, I think we're all asking to some degree, and, and that's, who am I? Like, what, why am I here and what's the purpose of my life and, and how can I find satisfaction in this life? And I'm not just talking about like fleeting happiness or fleeting pleasure. I'm talking about something deeper. I'm talking about something that is going to satisfy our soul. I don't know about you guys, but uh, I've, uh, over the course of my life and uh, as I've got progressively uh, better jobs and after going to school and, and starting to make more money, uh, I found that, you know, it gives the capacity to buy nicer things. And you guys like nice things? Anyone? Anyone like nice things? None of you? Um, but it, I, I remember I once bought a brand new truck. Uh, it, I thought it was going to make me happy and it did. I, I really liked my truck for a couple weeks and then eventually it got kind of old and, and I, you know, wasn't that impressed with it. And, th and things do that. Things naturally do that to us. Uh, as I've gotten older, though, I don't like stuff as much. Now I like to travel. How many of you guys like to travel, go new places? All right, some of my favorite places to go are Mexico. And every once in a while, I find a good enough deal that I've taken my family with us. We took a, a trip a while back uh, to Cabo. Any of you guys been to Cabo? All right, and a few of you out there, it's fun. It's a great spot. Weather's basically like this, but it's Mexico on a beach that you can't really swim in the ocean because the currents are crazy. But we were staying at this spot and our, our kids were just a few years younger than they are now. So Paris and Noah, who you know, were with us. And uh, we were staying at this spot. It's a, what do you call an all-inclusive resort. So after you pay everything up front, you don't have to pay for any food or drinks or anything after that. It's all covered. You can order room service as much as you want, which was awesome because it, you guys uh, know my son Noah. His Spanish is amazing. And so Noah would get on the phone with room service and just be like, all breaking it down in Spanish. So they're like, who is this guy? Like, and, and they're just bringing room service to our room all the time. And, and these things were amazing. It's awesome to live like that. But my life wasn't always like that. I, I grew up actually in a poorer home. My parents got divorced when I was really young. 
And, and so at one point in my life, my family lived in this rented house where I slept on the floor and there was rats in the home and it wasn't a great situation to be in. Honestly, though, as a kid, though, I, I thought it was great because my family was all there. I didn't really care about the, the surroundings. I had my older brother, my two older sisters and my mom, and it didn't really matter the circumstances. I want us to take a look uh, today at a spot in the, in the Bible in the, what's called the book of Philippians. It's a, a letter that this guy, the apostle Paul wrote to this church in Philippi. And, and he had kind of been in both spots. He had slept on the floor kind of with rats and he had also gone to these really nice resorts where everything would basically be included and he would dine with kings. And, and the reason I wanna take us there is because I think in this world, we can sometimes have the temptation to think that things are gonna satisfy us. That, that if we get more stuff, if we have the latest experience, the latest, you know, take the latest trip, get the latest clothes, get more fame, get more followers on social, if we get those things that somehow that's gonna fill the void in our soul. And so uh, it'll be up on the screen here, but we're gonna be in the book of Philippians and it's Philippians chapter four, verses 11 to 13. And here's what it says. Paul, the apostle Paul said this. So not that, let me see, I got it. Not that I was ever in need for I've learned how to be content with whatever I have. I now how to live with on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or an empty stomach, with plenty or with little or I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, that last verse, you guys, if you're athletes, you probably are like, oh yeah, I use this one all the time before my next game. Uh, if you know the MMA fighter, John Jones, he's got it tattooed across his chest, Philippians 4.13. And, and so many people actually take the verse out of context and just think that, hey, God's gonna like support me in whatever I do. But what the apostle Paul is telling us that whether we have a lot or whether we have a little, whether, whether we're well-fed or whether we're hungry, and maybe we've all been in that spot to some degree, or, or no matter what our situation, that we be, can be content. And contentment's not something that comes from outside of us. The, the question I wanna ask you guys ultimately tonight is this, is are you satisfied? If I had to ask you, are you satisfied with, with where you're at in this moment in your life? Are you satisfied? Are you, do you feel like your life is full? Does it have meaning? Do you, do you have a sense of purpose? And I know that's kind of a heavy question for people that are 12 to 18 years old, but, but I think it's an important one to think about because the, the foundations that you're laying today are the, are the future that you'll have tomorrow. The friends that you're choosing today, we know this, this has been scientifically proven through social science that the people you surround yourself, you'll become more like them. And so when I ask, are you satisfied that I, I think it's a thing for us to ponder. There, there's a C.S. Lewis quote, I'm gonna have it thrown up on the screen here is this. Uh, let's see, let's get that one up here. C.S. Lewis was this great author. If you guys know read him, you've maybe seen some of uh, his writings, but it said this, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. Like an ignorant child who wants, wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. I don't know about you guys, but when I was your age and, and I was in your situation, I, I was trying to please myself with all kinds of things that didn't fill my soul. I, I, I thought, thought at times that it would be the right relationship, that, that that's what was gonna satisfy me, that's what was gonna bring me happiness and, and contentment. And, and then sometimes it was things, or it was being successful at sports, or doing well in school, or, or measuring up to my parents' expectations. I thought that some of these things must be what will satisfy my soul. 
And I grew up in church. I grew up from the earliest memory I have that I, I came to church on Sunday mornings. It was a traditional church. We did Sunday nights. We did Wednesday nights. Uh, it, was, it was three times a week at a minimum. And, and for me, church became really about religion and rules and, and conforming my moral behavior to a certain set of standards that I thought of what God and my parents and the church expected of me. And, and I missed this quote because I, I, I am often too easily pleased And I think what's cool about this is what C.S. Lewis is talking about when it comes to our faith is that God actually wants more for us than we realize. The the idea that, that our desires are not too strong but too weak is this, is that we'll settle for a low, low standard, this low human standard of just enough, that we're gonna get just enough in the moment to carry us through that moment. But what God has for us is absolutely way up here. What God has for us, these desires that will actually satisfy our soul. They're not just gonna satisfy us for a moment, but they're gonna carry us so much further. And so the, the, the question that I have for you on that is this, what if, what if you were made for more? What if you were made for more than just this immediate moment? You were made for eternity. What if the things that God has for you are so much greater that you can't even imagine them. Like the book of Ephesians says in chapter three, verse 20, that God has things that you could never dream or imagine. Here's what it says in Ecclesiastes 3.11. When we talk about eternity, it said, God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. This idea that God said eternity in the hearts of man is, is simply this, that we, we are not made just for this world. Yes, in this flesh, we've got to eat. Yes, we've, we've got to do certain things. But, but ultimately, what God has designed us for is for something greater. And so when we pursue things in this world that are not of him, it'll never satisfy us. When, you, ever, you ever eat a big meal? I, I, my favorite food to eat is steak. How many of you guys like steak? All right, you get me a good ribeye, medium rare, quality steak, cooked right. Oh, nothing better. And and. when you pay money for a a good steak, you don't want to let any go to waste. And it's never the same when you reheat it. And and so I just will eat the whole thing right there and I'll just be stuffed. And if I've got sides, I like like some mashed potatoes with my steak. I mean, some garlic mashed potatoes and and some kind of vegetables, good. And and I'll just eat until my stomach is full to the point that it almost hurts. Have you guys ever been there? Have you ever eaten too much? We're talking like Thanksgiving dinner and you just overeat and, and your stomach is full. But hey, give it four hours and you're suddenly hungry again. The the idea in this text in Ecclesiastes is that God has designed us for something eternal, for something infinite. And that that C.S. Lewis quote takes us to the idea that the things that we're looking for, the things that we're usually pursuing in this immediate moment won't satisfy us. They, They won't give us the ultimate meaning in our lives that we're looking for. What if you were made for more. I, I can't help but tell you guys that it is, as I've grown older and my faith has, has also grown that I've come to learn that these things are not gonna satisfy me. Not, not, a, not a nicer car, not a bigger house, not the pursuit of more money. Honestly, if I can tell you a little bit about my story, it actually just made life more stressful. Uh, I, I, I had an opportunity uh, about six years ago 
uh, to shift over. I was working in management at UPS. You guys all know the brown trucks, the drivers. So I, I, I used to operate actually, actually right out of Anaheim mostly here, and I ran one of the buildings for UPS, and, and they paid me well. But then an opportunity came for me to, to go take this job at Amazon. You guys all familiar with Amazon? They deliver stuff crazy fast to you. You can order anything you want right here off your phone. Um, it'll be at your house before you get home tonight. Uh, it, it's insane. But I, I got stuff to you go to Amazon, and they paid me a lot more money. What ended up being almost twice as much as UPS was paying me. So I was like, yeah, this is cool. But you know what else? It got really stressful. All I could think about initially going to Amazon was, what if this is gone? How will I replace this income? Where am I going to find another job that's going to pay me this much? And, and you know what, it, what came with the money as well is the ability to spend it. Have you guys ever had more money than you used to have, but you left, nothing's left over still? You're like, man, I used to have no money. Now I have some money, but now it still goes fast. We are always able to spend whatever we make if we're not careful. And so what I learned in that situation is that one, that money wasn't going to satisfy me. And, and it is nice, and it, it can be a thing that we use for good, and we can be more gracious and more charitable. And so it, it, let me tell you, it's not money specifically that's the problem. It's, it's how we view it and how we use it. If we expect that money's going to satisfy us, it won't. Uh, even as a, a pastor at our, our Cross Point Brea campus, let me tell you, I, I, I look at things like you guys look at. Hey, how many likes do our videos get? How many followers do we have on Instagram? right? How, how, how are we tracking on this? I, I get a monthly email from Google telling me how many people are looking at our site on Google Maps. I've just learned that most of you guys just use Apple Maps. Is that right? It doesn't even help. My daughter, I send her Google Maps links and she's like, what are you even doing? I don't even use it. Anyways, but, but I get caught up in that same spin cycle of, of chasing more and it just won't satisfy me. What if we were made for more? What if the, the thing that's right in front of us and the thing that we think we desire more than anything is actually the thing that's gonna destroy us? I mean, if you think back to the garden, that's what it was, right? When, when Eve ate of the tree, it was the thing that was right in front of her and they said, well, it looks good, you know, and did God really say is what the devil said? And, and, and you know, how bad can it be? And, and that bite of that fruit from that tree changed the course of humanity. And, and for our lives, that thing that's right in front of us, the thing that we think is gonna satisfy our soul may actually be the thing that's gonna begin the destruction of our soul. What if you were made for more? I wanna tell you guys, Jesus is more. Jesus is the more. He, he has, because he created us, he knows what we need. So you, some of you guys have gotten a glimpse of this, that, that it's less the stuff and more the relationships and more the connections that you make with other human beings in healthy environments that point you to this, that Jesus is more. You can leave that up on the screen. I want you guys to see it. I want you guys to embed that in your brain that when you have an opportunity to take that bite of the fruit, of the temptation, when it's drinking, when it's drugs, when it's sex, when it's lying, cheating, stealing, whatever the opportunity is that you think is gonna meet your immediate need, I want you guys to look at this and go, no, Jesus is more. I'm, I'm not gonna keep being a child making mud pies in a ghetto, in a slum, in a back alley, dirty, disgusting, eating trash, when what God has called me to is something far better than a vacation by the sea. 
like my trip to Cabo. God has called you to something eternal. And, and what he does with this, and some of you guys, again, I, I say you experienced it, you got a glimpse of it at, at houseboats. How many of you guys went to houseboats this year? All right, probably two thirds, three quarters of the room. You, you guys got a glimpse of this. Some, some of the relationships that you formed at houseboats, some of the conversations that you have, some of you guys met Jesus at houseboats, some of you guys got baptized at houseboats, and it's changing the, direct, the trajectory of your lives because you're realizing this, that Jesus is more, that, that these immediate things that I'm going after that I know they don't satisfy me, I know they leave me feeling more broken than I was before, that ultimately Jesus is the one that I wanna go after. He created me, he set eternity in my heart. He's walked the road that I'm trying to walk. He was fully man and fully God, lived a perfect life. And he makes an invitation to us to invite us into relationship. I wanna share one last text with you guys tonight. It's gonna be up on the screen. It's Philippians chapter three, verses eight and nine. This is the same guy, the apostle Paul. I didn't tell you the backstory to this uh, text. Uh, you can go back to Jesus more for one second. Um, the Apostle Paul, when he's writing this, sometimes you guys, we get the idea that, the, oh, the guys in the book must have been nice. They were probably sitting in a library somewhere writing all this stuff so we could read it one day and, and know these stories. The, the guy that wrote this was sitting in prison. He, he was facing a death sentence, all right? So, so one of the top Christians of the New Testament, he wrote like half the New Testament, is in a Roman prison facing death, certain death. He's gonna be executed because he believed Jesus was more. And the, and the church in Philippi that he's writing to was a poor church. They, they didn't have a lot of money. But yet in your prison sentences, the way it worked was you actually had to pay your own way. Not only were you in prison, but you had to pay for yourself to be in prison. And so this church in Philippi was actually helping support him out of their poverty because they believed Jesus was more. And so as the apostle Paul sat in a prison cell saying, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He, he wasn't in a good moment. He had sailed the Mediterranean. He had sat with kings. He had dined with kings. He, he had dined with rulers. But in this moment, facing death in a prison cell, writing his last words to some of his closest friends in a city far away, he said he could still find contentment. He could do anything through Christ who strengthens me. Let's get the Philippians 3, 8 and 9 up on the screen says this, the Apostle Paul says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For, for his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and I could become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. This guy wrote half the New Testament, you guys. And he's saying here, all his achievements, writing part of the Bible is like garbage compared to the relationship that he has in Christ. All of the honor, all of the leadership, all of the churches he planted, everything he'd done. This guy had been on multiple missionary journeys. There's a part of the Bible that'll tell you all these times that he was close to death, that he had rocks thrown at him, that he was beaten, that he was kicked out of towns. Many people, like there was times that, that that he was so close to death and, and all of his experience and all the adventure that he faced, all of the good and all of the bad, he says it's worthless when compared to knowing Jesus because Jesus is more, Jesus is more. And what he says here is this, I don't count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. 
if you're, if you're here today and you're counting on your own good choices to save you, I've got some really bad news for you. You're screwed. If you're counting on your own goodness to save you, you're not gonna get there. You're gonna fail. And if we look at ourselves in the mirror and we're real honest with ourselves, we know that. You don't need someone like me to tell you that you're not good enough. We, we all struggle with this internal conversation of when will I ever be good enough? The apostle Paul says this, I don't count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. It's being perfect, a perfect standard. I become righteous through faith in Christ. But what that means is this, there's a cross on the wall over here. And if you guys aren't familiar what happened at the cross, Jesus Christ, the perfect spotless, sinless lamb of God, lived a perfect life, 33 years on this earth, did nothing but good, healing people, caring for people, feeding people, teaching people. He's accused of a crime he didn't commit and Jews convict him and Roman soldiers hang him on a cross and he dies a brutal death. Why? Why? For you and for me and for you and you, and for you. And, and what happened at the cross is this crazy thing. They, the church father, Martin Luther, calls it the great exchange. All of our sin, every lie I've ever committed, every lustful thought I've ever had, every, every harsh word I've ever spoken at someone in anger, everything I've ever stolen, everything I've ever done wrong, I take and I trade. And he takes it on his body. And, he, and he's nailed to this cross and he's, it says, he who knew no sin became sin for us. All of our sin went on him. Past, present, future, we make the exchange. And what we get, the apostle Paul tells us here is the righteousness of Christ. Let me encourage you students, you'll never be more righteous. You'll never be better than you are the moment you come to faith in Christ. It's as good as you can get. When you, you, when you are in Christ, you are holy, you are pure. Will you screw up? Yes. Will you mess up? Yes. Will you sin? Yes. It's all going to the cross. We always come back to the cross. And so as I, if I can leave you guys with, with anything tonight, whether it's fame, whether it's achievements, whether it's status, whether it's more money, none of those things will satisfy you. Not, not in this life, nor will they deal with your eternity, but the cross. What Jesus did for us there was offer us life. And the Bible says this, I came that you may have life and life to the fullest. When you hear that, do you, do you think rules and regulations? Do, do, do you think these are a list of things you can't do? I came that you might have life and life to the fullest. The book of Galatians says this, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So don't return to a yoke of slavery. Does that sound like rules and regulations or does it sound like a full life in Christ? His invitation is so good. He is a God that loves you so much that he died for you. So whether you're a follower of Jesus today and you already know this, and, and I hope it, it's a little firmer in your soul to know that Jesus is more, or if you're sitting here today and you've never come to faith in Christ, the opportunity to respond to that invitation is right now. And as I close in prayer, I want you guys to, to bow your heads and would you pray with me? I don't often do this, but if you're sitting here tonight and you're feeling a weight in your chest that you don't quite understand, that you're realizing 
once again that you're stuck in your sin and you're owning it and you can't let it go. But I want you to know the invitation is to hand that over, nail it to the cross, give it to Jesus and he will make you his son, his daughter. He will invite you into a relationship because he is more. If that's where your heart is tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna encourage you, would you just, if, if, if following Jesus today is a decision that you're making for the first time, I would encourage you, would you just lift your hand right now so I can pray for you? Thank you, I'm praying for you. As a, a few people have done that, you guys, it is a, a powerful reminder for us that are, are followers of Jesus to be praying all across this room that God, would you do continue to do a work in us to remind us that even though we have your righteousness, we are not perfect and we have no place to be self-righteous. God, that we are a broken people that need to continually come back to the cross. God, we need to continually come back to you in repentance, continually turn to you. And only you can continually redeem us and restore our souls. God, for these that have made decisions tonight, it's my prayer that they would know that if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So young people, that is the prayer tonight. Say, yes, Jesus, you are Lord. And I believe that God raised you from the dead so that I can have new life in you. God, we thank you so much for this time that we can come together. God, a safe place, a community of Jesus followers that... God has, has one focus, that's loving others well, God, and, and learning to love you better and be the people that you created us to be. God, this sin with all the, this world with all the sin and the pressure and the brokenness that we experience, God, it is not our home. God, that you have created us for more. You set eternity in our hearts. So God, would you remind us again today that Jesus is more, Jesus is the one that we need. God, we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy. It's your name we pray, amen. Hey, as the worship band comes to play, would you guys stand with us as we're gonna continue in worship? And, and I think it's important after you've heard scripture, here's what we should respond with. All of us, all of us, whether we're new to faith or whether we've been followers of Jesus for a while, is, and I love the idea of this, that we sing in repentance. All right, so as you're singing, maybe there's things in your own life that you need to be confessing. And as before we go to groups and we unpack some of this, I want you guys to be prayerfully thinking about, hey God, how do, you, how do I need to respond? So as you sing, would you sing in repentance as we continue to worship?